तात्र आमिस्त्रो बीन हजार I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin. Read it. Hi, welcome to Don't Read the Latin. I'm Jennifer Lovely, and my guest for today is Tecla Lovely. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> so, Tecla, I never, ever in a million years thought that I was going to have you as a guest on my horror podcast. I didn't really think about it either. I just thought you had, like, other people. Well, you're, here. But you're a people. I guess I am. <laughs> so a new thing that I'm doing with the podcast, because I'm trying to focus on giving perspectives um, on being a horror fan uh, to marginalized people, people who are marginalized genders, trying to give LGBTQA. What's the what? full? Plus? Um, I think it's like LGBTQIA and then more. And more representation um and then also you know bipoc um and just trying to get people other than and it's gonna sound terrible and i and i don't mean it this way but you know kind of anyone but cishet men who have really kind of monopolized a lot of the conversation horror and in a lot of times um kind of act like gatekeepers to horror anyway so the new thing that i am doing with this is hi my pronouns are she and her tecla what are your pronouns uh, my pronouns are she, they. She, they. Okay. So, Tekla, have you seen anything recently that you've been loving? It doesn't matter if it's TV or horror or anything. What have you been watching lately? Um, I've been re-watching the same kind of comfort show Yeah. that I even watch when I'm going to sleep, which is The Good Place. Yeah. Because there's not really much, like, action, and it's more of just, A lot of you know, talking. Yeah. Yeah. And it's happy. And everybody's yeah. so lovable. <laughs> um, what was I going to ask you? Oh, hold on a second. <laughs> I think I was, I was really surprised at how much you took to the good place. Like, what? What's your favorite parts about it? Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe because, like, that big plot twist in the first season. Yeah. And the plot twist in the second season. <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> overall, it's just a really, like, happy, and I didn't expect a lot of stuff. It wasn't really predictable, like a lot of other shows that I yeah. liked. And I'm really picky about oh, you're so stuff picky. I watch. <laughs> <laughs> you're so picky. And um, the one thing that I'm, I'm actually really kind of happy about is I've n- never really gotten exposed to very much anime. And you've been, you have, you didn't just open the door, but you like kicked the door open <laughs> yeah. for me. But it's it's really funny because you've really bonded with your stepdad, Jim, because there's a whole bunch of anime that he's seen that he's kind of getting to revisit with you. But you're also introducing him to a whole bunch of stuff, too. So what's the anime that you've been watching? Um, 
I don't know. Lately, I just kind of watch the same shows over again. 2020 but... is is the year of the comfort watch. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I think there are a lot of people out there. Um, I, I've been talking to a lot of people that it's been really hard to read this year because there's just a certain amount of focus, I think, that reading needs that a lot of people don't have. So they've been rereading the same books. But you've you've got to say the names. You can't say I've just been watching the same things. Yeah. Um, I've been, you know, watching... I've been rewatching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you know... The Good Place, and then I watched this uh, horror anime called Danganronpa, and I liked it. It was pretty cool, but... See, talk to me about first watching the playthroughs of the video games, which aren't those even more violent? No, they're actually, like, the same. Oh, they're the same, okay. They're, they're like, the same as the, like, anime, just, uh, just more drawn out and more, like, character development than just... Somebody dies, trial, somebody dies. Yeah. You know, there's more of talking to all the characters. There are, like, side games that you can do in the game. Yeah. So, that's so cool. It was really funny, because when you came to me, because you're really, really good about not watching things that are really kind of above your maturity level, and when you've discovered things that you want to test out, a lot of the times I'll watch them with you. Yeah. Um, even if it's just kind of not something I really am that into, but I just want to watch it with you so we know what we're watching and we know you're, what you're watching. But watching that really made me realize that, oh, and we started watching Doctor Who together. Yeah, we started watching Doctor Who together and... Gosh, we've gotten through like four or five seasons. We've gotten yeah. through like three we've doctors. Got, we're on the 11th doctor right now. Yeah. In the Rory and, and Amy years, which I yes. love so very much. In River Song. Yeah. Yeah. And now you, all of a sudden you understand a lot of the uh, the art and props that we have all over the there house. There's so much, <laughs> like, Doctor Who stuff around the house that I never knew until I watched the show. Yeah. And I even have a painting that was done of you and I dressed as uh, Doctor Who in her, yeah. uh, our River Song in her um, uh, astronaut costume. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know, I knew it was from Doctor Who, but I didn't know, like, where, where it was from. Yeah. So then I knew. Yeah. So it's really, okay, so I'm going to return back to the thought, the fact that I absolutely never thought you'd be into horror because you were, and I don't want to put this label on you, but you were a timid child. I was such a scared child that, like, she, at her um, before care, would make them turn off the tape recording, the the audio story of the Grinch. Or no, the uh, yeah, the Grinch who stole Christmas with the old Boris Karloff. She'd be like, "That is too scary." Uh, you, you I remember. T- I have a vivid memory <laughs> of you. Uh, I have like a vivid memory of you showing me this like game. It was like a story type game, and there was like these four characters, and I've kind of forgot who. It was like this mystical thing. And there was this turtle, there was a like a big bear named Teddy, and there was this like girl, and then there was somebody else. Uh-huh. And I don't know why this is so vivid in my head, but it just is. And then we like tapped through and we got to the part where there was this like evil person and he was like talking about something. And I got so scared that I started crying and I made you like get out of the app. I also got really scared of this game. That was like this red little box thing. Mm-hmm. 
And whenever you would tap it, it would like make weird noises or like You're like, scream. no, that's okay. Thank and you. I was horrified of it. <laughs> I was so scared. But on the other hand, what's really funny is because I identify as goth and so many of my friends are really older, old school goths, you were exposed to a lot of like what would be considered spooky imagery stories. I mean, it was funny for all the things that scared you. It was really. <laughs> What's really great is when you were really little, we showed you Rudolph, which I love <laughs> describing as like, it's a conversation to be had because you watch Rudolph because I watched Rudolph as a kid. And then we have a long conversation about bullying <laughs> and why it's okay to have boundaries with your friends. <laughs> but you watched it like one year and you were like, that's fine. I don't hate this. And the very next year we turned it on and the bumble terrified you and i had to find this tv movie that was a rudolph sequel where the bumble was like totally this jovial large friend and you had to watch that like a bazillion times and then we went back oh my god you were like no (laughs) (laughs) and then after like you saw the movie where he was great and funny and sweet like it didn't bother you anymore but like, boy, yeah. those those intros. Um, but what is really funny is, again, being involved, being seeing a lot of goth, goth culture and goth imagery. I introduced you to the Beetlejuice cartoon, and um, you I, watched the entirety of the Adams Family, the original series, when I, you were like three or four. I I really liked that, but I saw like. A clip of like one of the movies. I think it went, might you, have been the I, second one. So you watched the entire series. You loved it, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna show her the movie. And they get to this the Shakespeare uh, talent show. But you didn't put it on for me. You put it on for yourself, and I yeah. started watching it because that was a trick you would do to get right, me into I watching totally stuff. Did. <laughs> like she'd like you like, would be like, I'll oh. put this on for me. And then you go off and do something else, and I'm like, there's a TV on. I better go watch this. Yeah, it's how I got you to watch um, Labyrinth. It's how I got you to watch just a couple of things that you just wouldn't give the time of day. And uh, I put that on, and you were like, oh, you were like, okay, yeah, yeah. And then we got to the Shakespeare scene where there was, like, blood There was, like, everywhere. fake blood, and it was very obviously fake. <laughs> and it was, like, spraying everywhere. And you were like, you had none. You were like, I want this turned off. It's like, can you turn this off, please? I do not want to watch this. And you finally watched them, like, like only, like, a year or two years ago. And now you like them. But, like, boy, that it was off the table for, like, five years. <laughs> so, yet again, never thought I'd be having you on my, my horror podcast. Um, but, yeah, we started watching Doctor Who. And then I didn't, you know, it's like... You gloss over when you've been a horror fan for a really long time, like the horror light moments that are in a lot of TV and and movies that you watch. Like you don't realize that there's so much suspense. And, and the thing is, it's like, <laughs> it's like you don't realize how much sexual content's in a movie until you're watching it with your parents. And then you're like, hi, I'm really uncomfortable right now. <laughs> and it's the same thing, like sex and, and violence. You're like, your child's there and you're like, hi, I am the worst parent on the <laughs> entire planet. And I didn't realize how bad this was. I, um, I pointed out, like when we were watching a Doctor Who episode, mm-hmm. that this would be so much more scary if they didn't have that like boppy music behind it. Like it's not like that like quiet when yeah. it's like super suspenseful and then this big jump scare happens. But like it's the music isn't like quiet or like dimmed or like this tiny little. 
I love, we always watch things with subtitles on. And my favorite is when we're watching something and it'll say, ominous music. (laughs) And we're like, oh, well, you know, this is going to be scary because this is ominous. But like the music behind it is just the same throughout the entire thing. That is just this ongoing thing of either happy or like sad or just scary. But (laughs) so I'm going to go really quickly through the things that I have seen recently. Uh, just because um, I have seen some really, really, really good stuff lately. Um, um, one of the things that I rewatched recently was uh, Jennifer's Body, and it's directed by Karen Kusama and uh, written by Diablo Cody. And this is a movie that was just really given a raw take when it came out because it is the story of two teenage girls. And one of the girls in it is this woman named Megan Fox. And I Megan think I know her. Fox, yeah. Well, Megan Fox is pretty famous because she was in um, Michael Bay's Transformer movies, and she was known by being the hot girl. And with this movie, um, the girl playing her ha 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 frumpy friend, it's kind of that like the really really pretty girl wears some glasses and a messy bun, and she's the the ugly friend until she takes off her glasses and takes down her messy bun, and all of a sudden she's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of that kind of thing. So, and uh, anyway, Jennifer's body got kind of a, a bad take because a lot of the times when movies are written and directed by women, kind of stories about women, they're put down as not as good. And it was about teenage girls' friendships. Um, and it just wasn't given the credit it deserves. And I saw, um, do you remember when you came in and I was watching that seminar on my computer? So basically there was this, uh, there's this theater out in Massachusetts that is doing like seminars on movies and doing movie showings, but everything's online. And this woman that I found on Twitter, her name is Jordan, um, Cracciola, and I probably butchered her name, but I want to say it. Um, she has been really awesome for speaking up about Jennifer's body. Um, She's been really awesome in the past about speaking up about men in like the industry that are abusing um, the power that they have with positions that they have. And she's just been a really strong female voice that I've been following. Uh, and it's really, really good, and I can't wait to show it to you in a couple of years, but it's just a little bit. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's funny, because there's certain things that we've started, and we've been like, hmm, not yet. <laughs> so Jennifer's Bodies is going to be a really, really good one to show you in a couple of years. Um, I've watched some Noir Alley, which is the, you know, the, all the black and white noir movies that I've been yeah. watching. There was one by um, Otto Preminger called Where the Sidewalk Ends ends um and there's another one called they won't believe me that both of those i really liked and then what were some of the other movies that i've seen recently unprepared unprepared i'm a fraud (laughs) um i showed you happy death day yeah i really liked it yeah what did you like about it i'm putting Um, you on the spot i think what i really liked about it is I think, like, some of the scariest parts of horror is when something just keeps repeating and going on and on, and you keep feeling scared, except it just keeps going and repeating, and you're stuck in, like, one day. I always think it's really terrifying when all of a sudden you have that sense that you've either done something before or just something isn't as it should be. 
um, yeah. kind of uh, un unreliable narrators telling you stories that maybe you're like starting to disbelieve the story that they're telling you or maybe just this sense that maybe everything as it should isn't as it should be and I always find that really really scary um let's see what else have I seen I gave <laughs> aliens a rewatch recently which I talk more oh you should later. talk more about um <laughs> <laughs> something about Death Day was, it was kind of predictable at times, yeah. except... It wasn't reinventing the wheel. It wasn't, it was like something new. Yeah. Like, each time she didn't just do the exact same thing mm-hmm. over and over again and make the same mistake, but she tried different things and ended up, like, winning in the end. Yeah. And ended up, you know, finding out who it was that kept making her day repeat. Yeah. Um, another one that I've seen recently that I really struggled with um, whether or not I should show you is a movie called Bit. Um, it was directed by a man named Brad. Um, my goodness, I can't read my own. I think it's Brad Michael Elmore. Uh, and the great thing about it is I keep liking it to a modern day Lost Boys, except with with young women. Um with, oh, well, you know, with vampires, because there's a movie called Lost Boys that came out when I was a young teen, um, and it has this boy getting introduced to a gang of vampires, and it's literally a, a trans girl who moves from Oregon down to L.A. to live with her brother over the summer, and she runs into a girl gang of vampires. And it's awesome, and it's very L.A., and it's very, very, very gay. <laughs> and it's just it's just awesome. And I'm actually really looking forward to showing it to you in a couple of years. The only yeah. other two things that I've really seen lately was uh, Jim and I, Jim, Jim and I uh, whipped through um, uh, Cobra Kai, which is the revisiting of the Karate Kid movies in a series format that they've just done. Um, and... It's something I've kind of wanted to show you, but there's a lot of like emotional discomfort that I don't think you'd like because that Jim and I kind of put up with because we really love the characters that we've known since we were kids. Um, but it's one of the great things about it is that it's really normal people. Nobody's perfect. Like everybody kind yeah. of screws up, but everybody it's not like that one person. Oh, that's they just, never do anything. I'm a goody two shoes, and I just never do anything wrong. And I try to help the entire group the entire time. Perfection. Oh yes. yes, I wish I wish you could see the hands under the chin. The really great thing is is Daniel is set up in the Karate Kid movies as being the utter. He's he's the uh, he's the star. He's he's the hero. And there's a lot of ways in which he acts in Cobra Kai that are very, just pardon me as I'm talking to an 11 year old, but they're just really shitty. And there's ways in which the guy that he butted heads with all those years ago, who is the biggest bully, is is growing by leaps and bounds, still occasionally being just a crap person, but he's getting better all the time. And there's ways that Daniel's just supposed to be a better person. And then he sometimes he just keeps choosing the low road. And you're like, dude, why don't you just grow up a little bit you're like (laughs) you're nearing your 50s (laughs) it's like maybe you should think about your decisions a little longer before you really try exactly also Um, you can swear around me i've heard you before oh hush now and i never ever ever swear in front of you totally (laughs) and the other thing is uh jim and i have stayed up far too late last night watching the new haunting of bly manor which is a modern retelling uh, that's on Netflix of The Turn of the Screw, 
which is an old kind of spooky story. Uh, originally done as The Innocents uh, years ago, and I recommend watching both of them. I'm two episodes away from wrapping up Blind Manor, and I'm very certain that after I send you to your room, <laughs> not necessarily after you go to bed, that Jim and I will watch it then. Because <laughs> it's really, really, really good. So, is there boba in your mouth? Uh-huh. Oh, hold on. <laughs> okay. So, Tecla... I, I laugh at asking this of an 11-year-old, but what would you say was your formative horror movie, a movie that opened the door to horror for you and made you appreciate a scary story? Probably Coraline, because... Um, I need I need you to tell your story of why you... Because I resisted showing you Coraline because I just thought it was going to be too scary for you, and I you think, made me show it to you. I think it was... Um, because a lot of, like, adults or parents don't really like Coraline at the first watching. Because well, I think a lot of people, people like myself, who have a history of, of childhood abuse, yeah. have a really hard time, and it really emotionally hurts them to watch it. <laughs> because it, but it, but it, it goes shows right over your head. that parents are not infallible. Yeah, they're not, they can be, like, great people, but everybody has their flaws yeah. with doing stuff but um but you were going out trick-or-treating i was going out trick-or-treating and i was like doing it by myself without my friends i don't think yeah you, I, was it daddy that was yeah walking you around? and uh i was i was walking around you know trick-or-treating and i looked to my side and i saw and i saw that uh somebody was projecting the movie Coraline on their window, either window or wall or something like that. Mm -hmm. And a bunch of kids just like We're sat just down <laughs> and watching the movie. And I looked at it for a few seconds, you know, stopped and looked at it. And then I just kept going mm -hmm. and I thought, wow, those five seconds were really good. Yeah. I kind of want to watch the movie, except I didn't watch the movie until like a year later. When it was around Halloween. And again. And you were like, and you know. And then again and again. And I really liked the movie. Yeah. Because. It's beautiful. I don't think. I think when we watched it. We watched it again last night. And. I kind of pay attention. But it, but it did. Like. I had a hard time with it the first time I watched it. And uh, again. Hitting the point in the episode. Where we do get very spoiler heavy. With the discussion of the final two films. So. Um. We do list in the description what the two films are, and if spoilers bother you, you can certainly watch them before you listen to this portion of the episode. Um, you know, I remember being pretty angry <laughs> at my first watching and saying, what What we're supposed to take away from here is that um, some parents are just really crappy. And, and you yet have you to just, live with that. You just have you to have, live with it. And you are the one who has to save them because of their wrongs. Or you just have to... You just have to grow up better because they're not going you to have to deal with and, the and, stuff that happens. Yeah. And watching it again, I definitely had a lot more patience for the parents. And you see a lot more of their kindness and love at the end of the film. But they are some distracted. Like, they, she is. Even was, though they're at their house and just sitting together, you know, and it's raining outside. They are outside, not involved in her life at all. They just don't care about Coraline. You know, I'm pretty... 
Meow. Are I'm you gonna pretty come sure that the dad. Oh, the kitty. The I th- it feels like the dad wants to be more in lo- involved with her life, but it Except feels like the mom feels trapped by all of her responsibilities. Yeah. Hi, Hi. kitty. We have a cat. Come here. No! What? Oh God! Everything's terrible. No, no. Um. Oh, I'm so scared. Oh. So did I just uh. I noticed last night when I was looking at things, Coraline's 11. Coraline is 11. <laughs> and, you know... You I know, and it's funny, because they had just... Didn't they just move into the house? Yeah, they and just so they just moved into the house. <laughs> Sorry, our cat. He wants to love... He's looking like he wants to love on the computer, and that it's just a recipe for... Um, hitting stop on the recording yeah that is not good which is definitely something that you got to experience because we moved unfortunately yeah. a lot more than i would have liked you to have after your dad and i divorced yeah but um i didn't know that her hair would just wasn't naturally blue because because you get the sense i mean there's people with i get blue the skin. because <laughs> mr b has blue like a kind bluish of skin? Bluish, grayish like, skin. And I'm like, maybe it's just a normal thing. Maybe it's just because she's the main character. Yeah. That just happens with main characters. They you know, they're getting hair. born with different colored hair. <laughs> but we saw the picture uh, in her bedroom where she had brown hair. Yeah, and with like her parents. And I don't know if the picture was like black and white or just gold, but it looked sepia. like... Yeah, brown. Yeah, just kind of looked brown. So... So in... in she, she's kind of off in the middle of nowhere, so she kind of gets to meet her neighbor, who's yeah, YB, gets, who just annoys the crap out of her. Yeah, she doesn't really like him, except for the fact that he did tell her about the poison oak that she was touching as a... <laughs> what kind of stick? A dowsing oh, rod. She's using it as a dowsing rod. And she was trying to find a well, which she found one, <laughs> and YB showed up and annoyed her. I know, and she kind of gets to meet her neighbors, so she gets Mr. Is it Mr. B? Mr. B, which, uh, actually, he has, like, a medal. Yeah. Uh, You told me this yesterday? Yeah, I saw in the uh, trivia for the movie that he's wearing a medal um, that shows that he was one of the rescuers from Chernobyl. Yeah, since um, he he's Russian he has a and, Russian accent, yeah, and he's just Russian. You know? Yeah, that was kind of uh, this little bit of his backstory that he just always wears this medal and has kind of a strange pallor, which we'd think maybe if he got sick, a little sick from that. But he seemed very spry. Maybe if he maybe he got some of the from some of the radiation, maybe he yeah. got some blue skin. You know, who knows? Who knows? And this then we get to meet world. the retired burlesque actresses. Uh, yes. Mrs. Spink Enforceable. Oh my gosh, the the performance when she's in <laughs> when she's <laughs> in that another. mermaid costume. Oh, oh, them, so like beautiful. the short, the short. Yeah, is in her mermaid costume. It's in her mermaid costume. And, and you're like, the other one, she's pretty naked. And then all of a sudden, she the has other the, one comes the rising out. of Venus from from the ocean waves. And then the other one comes out with like just, just tiny little like sparkly seashells. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's very on her fancy boobs. <laughs> on her boobs, so fancy. Um, but uh, no, she so Coraline finds uh this portal, this door, this little tiny, like kind of squarish door behind the wallpaper, and it's locked up, and it's locked up. So where does she, she doesn't find really, the key? Uh, I think she finds the key like a little later, yeah, like after she, you know, joins. Um, she goes to the mother, mother's world yeah 
So because doesn't she, she wakes, go there like first in a dream? Almost she she wakes up by this little jumping mouse, and she follows it around the house mm-hmm. to the door, and it's open. Mm-hmm. And then the mouse just goes into the door. So she follows it, and there's this like kind of tunnel looking thing. It's so creepy. You're like this isn't this isn't you don't see that and go hey. That's something I should climb into. I know. I should go slippity sliding down that tunnel because it's creepy. She goes in there. Yeah. And everything... Is perfection. Everything's just perfection. You know, the boy... There's a painting. There's a boy with an ice cream cone that he dropped. And he's, like, looking really sad at it. But in the other world... That actually makes sense because the other world... That's cool. Uh, He's (laughs) holding his ice cream cone and just is happy. So I think it's trying to show that everything in this world is perfect. And I don't know why, but to me, it seems like it was just more vibrant. It it, it, It looks like it was just more vivid colors and stuff. Yeah, it does. And I think that's a lot of the sense that we've gotten before in other movies like The Wizard of Oz, where everything's blah and, and black and, and like white dull. and modern. But it, when you're in Oz, it's beautiful and vibrant and colorful. Yeah. So... Because it would be a temptation. Yeah. Because, like, everything's just so bright and colorful. I want to be in this world. And and that is their... That's their kind of honey trap, is the fact that they lure children in that are unhappy and maybe unattended to and not given as much love as they deserve. So if you're in a perfect world where getting, you get everything you want, the answer is always yes, um, that's going to be really, really tempting for you to stay. Yeah. So then you meet the other mother who's in the kitchen and you find out and you see that she has button eyes, which is mm-hmm. kind of alarming for Coraline at first, but then yeah. she's just like, oh yeah, this is another world. Yeah, you're my other mother. Yeah, you're my other mother. And then, oh... And then she meets her other father, mm-hmm. and he plays a song oh, that completely, so it's such like a boppy tune. It's so amazing. But he completely tells her, doesn't but he? But he tells her, he like hints at the fact that, with the buttons, that yeah. she's going to show, so, that she's going to sew buttons into her eyes. Yeah. And everyone's eyes are on Coraline, which is yeah. everyone's button eyes. Are on Coraline. Coraline. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I loved is uh, in doing a little bit of research on Coraline was that song is written um, by the They Might Be Giants uh, group. And they had actually done an entire soundtrack, but they kind of changed direction uh, and ended up doing some different music. And it was funny because you were the one who told me about that none of the songs are actually... They have all of these songs that they almost sound like it's being sung in, like, Norwegian or it's something. Playing with, they're playing with a harp, and it's just this really nice tune. Except it, all the words, they sound like they're in a different language, except they're, they're not, gibberish. It's just gibberish. It's just random beautiful. noises. Yeah. And um, the song that he sings is, like, one of the only... Um, English songs. Yeah. And it very much is a very important part of the story. With what, with what he sings to her. So she comes back and um, actually, when does she run into... Well, she runs to the black cat there and she tries to shoo him off because she doesn't like him. Yeah. And then he starts talking to her. Yeah, he starts talking to her in the other world and says that, you know, this world isn't good. Yeah. Like, this he starts whole trying place to warn her might be, girl. like, 
a dream come true, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't think, you know, there's a lot of times where people are just going to accept. Oh, he's got angry tail. What are you doing? <laughs> this is not auto where, you know. His licks. So, you can hear them from a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she, after dinner, she puts her to bed, gives her some mud on her uh, poison oak uh, hand, and she wakes up the next morning and finds out that her hand's better. And so, she's in, not the other world, but, but... she's back home. She's back home. And her parents are still just as dismissive. She spends yeah. some time with YB, who tells him tells her about uh, her grandmother's twin sister, who disappeared who in that house. Who randomly disappeared. In that same house as a child. And then, um, so, let's see here. Um, just, you know, things go on. She's getting kind of angry at her parents. And then she discovers that the mother has locked the small door. And she um, can't get she, in. Yeah, and because she, she found some rodent dung. And she's, like, angry. She's like, no, those are the, those are the mice and nothing. And she finds, she looks through the key drawer, you know, mm-hmm. where they keep all the keys. And she <laughs> finds a key with a button on, like, you know, the part where you hold it. Yeah. So she puts it in. And I think she tries to show her mother. And behind it is just a brick wall. Yeah. Like, there's nothing through it. There's no magical portal thing. Yeah. There's, it's just a brick wall. So, later that night, another mouse comes, and she follows it, and the door suddenly turns into the portal again. Yeah. And then they show the garden. And the thing is, is, the you know, the garden's still beautiful, but it's starting to look a little more dangerous. Like, everything yeah. is slowly getting a little more dangerous. And I think... She's starting to second guess just accepting everything that the other mother officer offers her. And then every time, any time she ever says no to her, like, she gets more dangerous. She gets her, her, her perception changes of the other mother. She looks a little more angular and a little more angry and a little more controlling. Yeah. And, you know, I think the next day, you know, she goes to sleep again. And she wakes up in her actual home. Yeah. And she asks she asks for these gloves mm-hmm. that'll make her stand out at school because, mm-hmm. you know, she's still in school. And, and everybody wears gray and everybody blends into each other. Yeah. So she says, if I can wear these gloves, then, like, I'll stand out in the crowd. Mm-hmm. And her mom just doesn't. No. Just says no. To her, it's just another thing. They have very little money at this point. Yeah. Because they're trying to wrap up a job that's going to pay them. And they're just struggling. Um, so all of this kind of leads up to her fighting back against the other mother. Because I think she just realizes and that it's not... She's not offering her something real. And she's... I think and she's, she's started... And I think she's she heard offered, enough stories about... She's offered um, the button eyes to her. Oh, and I think that is the tipping point. Because she's like, like... You know... No thank if, you. If he's... If we sew buttons into your eyes, then you can stay here forever. And it's like, um, I don't think I want to do that. So she goes back home, and where she absolutely decides to fight against the other mother, she like blocks off her, she blocks off of her, she blocks off her door and goes to sleep, expecting that she'll wake up at home again. And turns out she just wakes up in the other world again. But her parents are missing. Yeah, her parents are. So she's. Gone. Are, yeah, they've been kidnapped. We're, we're fairly certain at this point, though. Kidnapped yeah. isn't really... They've been abducted, is, I guess, yeah. a, probably a better word than kidnapped. So um, she realizes at this point exactly how many children 
are missing and she fights her to get them all back. So, you know, at the end of it, she does end up defeating the other mother and ends up back home with her parents and kind of like really um, repairing. And I think in having a better relationship with her parents and I think having a little better understanding about them too. Yeah. What was, what was it that really stuck with you because of the movie and why did you think it was it just mainly because it's, because it's like a, it's so different than anything else that we're going to see. Yeah. Maybe, maybe <clears throat> because of the, like maybe because of the imagery, since it's claymation, you can make so much more stuff with it. Yeah. And, and it's just beautiful. It's I was so really pretty. just thrown last night at how absolutely gorgeous it is. Um, and it's, and the thing is, it's it's funny. In the recent years, we've we've made children's stories so much less perilous than they used to be when I was a kid. Um, there was a lot more danger. You know, I'm I'm somebody who grew up with you know, um, oh my gosh, what kind of things am I thinking about? Disney had a really dark period where a lot of their stories. There was the Witch in the Woods. I think God, what was it called? Snow White's up. kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, that's just that it's totally off topic, but it's kind of weird how like isn't he like? Disney. I think an adult, an adult, like man, sees this like corpse in it's the like, woods. I'm gonna kiss that. She's actually 14 years old, and he's like an adult, so that's kind of. Mm. But uh, she, she, um, he just like kisses her. And she wakes up, she's just kissing a random corpse in the woods that you think is cute. Like, <laughs> that's just so weird. Um, no, what I was going to say is um, there was a period in my childhood and uh, there was like the Watcher in the Woods. Um, there was, what were some of the other ones? It's not going to give me the other ones. But anyway, um, so the late 70s, the early 80s, I mean, there was like a lot of peril. I remember when I showed you Benji, which was an absolute favorite of mine from when I was a kid, there's a scene at the end of the movie where one of the dogs gets just stomped on. And you're fairly certain in the movie that it got killed. And then later they show, like at the wrap up of the movie, they show the little little girlfriend dog with a little dog cast on. And you're like, okay, not dead. That's okay. Okay, thanks. Not dead. Um, but the thing is, there was stuff like that all the time in, in, in E.T., that, like, the, uh, the, the, they one, come after them with guns. That one movie with the two dogs and that one cat. I forgot what it's called. What's the Incredible it called? Journey. The Incredible Journey. I cried so much that we actually had to skip to the happy parts. Yeah, I was like, I had to, to assure her. Because I was so scared that when the cat, like, fell... <laughs> into the river. Into the river. I got so and sad. Then, and then the golden retriever falls through the tr- the chain... The train track. Oh, my God. I'm, like, holding her to my chest as I'm fast-forwarding to the end where I can show that they all arrive home together. That was the worst movie-watching experience of my life. That was the worst movie-watching experience of <laughs> my, my life. life. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We've spent a long time on this. Yeah. So, Tekla, what was the modern horror movie that really made you appreciate the genre? Um, Black Christmas. Oh. Because it just has such a great message except converting it into horror yeah because that is horror for women yeah because you know? it takes a real life story that you know could happen with like a little bit of yeah you know just movie-esque Magic, stuff yeah and it but, takes a real life experience that many women 
you know, experience, yeah. a real life experience that many, many, many women, women have gone through. Have gone through. And the fact that and a lot converts of- it into a movie where they can, you know, feel scared but feel represented. Yeah, very much so. And what a great cast of women. Yeah. Like, the thing is, is a lot of the horror movies that I grew up on, a lot of the time, the women written in are. They're literally just, they call them sexy lamps. That's the description for them. Because you could re- literally place the character with a, a lamp with like a fancy dress on it and just kind of walk it through the scene. Because it doesn't really have any it impact really on the plot talk. or like say you anything can take of that, import. You can like cut out that character from the entire movie, like cut out all the lines, cut out. The, and it, it wouldn't like, change anything. It wouldn't change plot. anything because yeah. they don't really talk or they don't really. They Every just single add, one of these girls. They're just filler per people. Yeah. Every single one of those girls introduce something that's important to the rest of the story and and just seeing them fight back and it was just and it's just a great story and then you add in the supernatural element yeah and it was just especially that song in the beginning oh yeah where they completely take the take on mean girls yeah and they call them out they call a bunch of these like frat boys frat boys out and a bunch of the boys are in the back and, and they get just really mad. Really so, mad about but the, stuff. The thing is, is what's the problem is on a lot of college campuses, you have to go to the campus police first. And they're... They don't believe you. They don't believe you. And you go to police. And sometimes as women, they don't believe you. Yeah. So, a lot of the time as women, they don't believe you. Yeah. So um, that movie uh, was written by uh, April Wolf and um, Sophia Tikal. And they have written... A couple of movies that I am really excited as you get older to watch because they kind of, uh, especially Sophia Tikal has written one called Always Shine that's kind of about female friendships that kind of go wrong when they become really competitive with each other, <laughs> which is really funny because so the things that she writes about are things that even at 11 you've already experienced. Yeah. So it's very like, you know what these characters are going through and that makes the peril that much more. And it makes, it makes you, like, be able to feel scared without actually going through the experience. Yeah. And that kind of makes it fun. It kind of feels like a roller coaster, kind of. It is true. It's so funny because I never thought I'd get you on a roller coaster. And then one time you just took the risk. And it was so funny because I remember asking you, and I'm like, because you would just look at the, the cover of a movie and you're like, too scary. Because you didn't enjoy that fear sensation at all because you'd never experienced it in a really I've safe never way. Because I've never experienced it. I've never experienced fear without being like in danger or, or feeling like you're in danger. Yeah. Because um, one of my most harrowing mother moments was you had gone to a birthday party where they went to like one of those tiny. It was Tiny a baby little, amusement park. And it had, like, these horses that you can ride on. That was, like, a minor part, but it did But it had that. a small roller coaster. And, oh, and my they friends took a picture. It. Yeah, and they loved it. And there's a picture of Tekla sitting next to one of the friend's moms. And she had And a, I was sobbing. I was so scared. And I was like, if they'd have asked me, I'd have told them. And they said, I was... And they were just, like, at the end of the roller coaster, you know, I'm going to go back in line and I'm going to do it again because there's, like, like, no line on this ride because this is such a small fare. (laughs) Except... And then the next time you went to Disneyland with your dad, you're like, you went on Space Mountain. And I liked it. (laughs) And then I went on uh, Indy and a... 
Indiana Jones, Jones. Adventures yeah. kind of ride. Yeah. And it's just so weird and bumpy. <laughs> oh, I also went on uh, that Rocky Mountain Railroad. Yeah. That was kind of fun. Uh, <laughs> You'd have probably had more fun if you weren't with your dad, because your dad hates that ride so much. He, like, really hurt his neck, and it hurt him for the rest of the trip, and he really mm. didn't like it. But I really liked it, so that was fun. <laughs> so, um, one of the things that I really loved is, number one, you really cared about every single woman. You just cared about every single one. And all of them had very, very different, distinct personalities. And even the men. One of the things that I especially loved is when they introduced, gosh, what was his name? When they introduced that that um, boy, that, that boy? was that was really interesting. I was in Riley. really, I was really scared. You were pensive. I was re- like, I thought he was gonna turn. He was just such a sweet boy that I didn't want him to turn evil. evil? Except, turns out that he really didn't. No, he was. They even even when he was even possessed, when he was possessed, he he, he fought. He yeah. fought against it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things that really got me with Black Christmas, I loved the supernatural. I loved the the moment where all, when, oh, the twist. The twist of when the cop car rolls up and you absolutely think. And you absolutely cop- think it's the same sorority, but it isn't. Is it? It's that a they're attacking one, all of the sororities. They're attacking every single one with like a mainly female, I think, oh, aren't all sororities female? Or yes. Something? Well, uh, yeah. There's there's a new there's new stuff that's coming out there now where they're like mixed and it's got a different name and I don't remember what it is. But like a sorority is mainly a sorority. A group they of have girls. fraternity for men and a sorority for women. I know but, there is another word out there and I don't know what it. I, I've read it, but I don't know what it's but called. But they're attacking all these sororities, mm-hmm. you know, because they're attacking all the women. So all because, of a sudden it throws you because all of a sudden you think he's gonna this cop is gonna roll in and save them, and it's not. It, and it's and, not. And on top of it, they already took care of because they already had like their attackers down on the ground and are beating the crap out of them and that cop immediately gets killed (laughs) so but anyway the other girl like shows up and picks up those girls and when riley gets taken like when at the very end and again i've told you spoilers (laughs) but when a whole truckload of women show up and they just Start kicking the shit out of them. That made me so amazingly that happy. Was, that was so cool. And I like, uh, you know, spoilers, but uh, I like how at the end they didn't, like, show them, like, getting away with it or at least, like, you know, not getting away with it. They just stopped it as the main character looks at the big fire of the yep. college, or at least... And there's no jump scare at the end to there's go, no maybe they're the still end. in peril. No, they just succeeded. And that feels so amazing. Well... That was such a great movie. It really was. It's it's whenever I'm having a really bad day, like, I will throw that movie in. Because it's just so much damn fun. And plus, every once in a while, I like to feel like we're just going to succeed. <laughs> Yeah. Like, if we all just band together, maybe we'll just succeed. (laughs) And, you know, commit arson. And commit arson (laughs) and blow that shit up. Yes. (laughs) You know what we could do today? Maybe if we just set everything on fire. Yeah, that seems like such a great idea. (laughs) Raising you so well. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Tecla, thank you so much for joining me. This was so fun. Hi. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Um, I was just going to, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. I love you, kid. I love you too. All right. Don't read the Latin listeners. Thank you for joining me. And I'll talk to you again in two weeks. Don't Read the Latin can be found at don'treadthelatin.com, on Twitter at DRTL Podcast, on Tumblr, or at facebook.com slash don'treadthelatin. Please rate us on iTunes and tell your friends and thieves about us. We're dying to meet them. <laughs>